Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you already knew that? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I was really dropping any, uh, any wisdom bombs on that one, but uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and Super Bowl Sunday got me thinking about some things. It got me thinking about sports, which for those of you who know me, I think about sports pretty much every day, but it got me thinking about celebrations, because when we see big games like this, like the Super Bowl, this is the day that many of these players have worked their whole lives to get to. And that's a cause for celebration. And what that got me thinking a little bit about was, what do we as Christians have to celebrate? Now, as Jason likes to say, there's kind of two kinds of sermons, right? There, there's the sermon that, that brings something brand spanking new that you had never thought about before. And then there's the sermon where we kind of remind you about some things that we want you to be thinking about and that we want you to have kind of in the front of your mind. And today is going to be the latter. And we're going to talk about some things that we as Christians should be celebrating each and every day. So we have this big game that's about to take place today, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because we all know the Chiefs are going to win, right? As a Dallas Cowboys fan, I, there's nothing worse in my head than to think about the fact that the Eagles may actually win that game today. Uh, but since my Cowboys aren't in it, uh, the, the least I can do is root against our rival Eagles. So one of two things is going to happen at the end of this big game today. One of these teams will be the, the picture on your left, and they'll be celebrating, and they'll be partying, and they'll be having a great time, and really just, just overjoyed in the moment. And I looked for some pictures of my beloved cowboys, but they only had black and white pictures for some reason, um, I guess because it's been that long. But one of those teams is going to look like the guy on the right. One of those teams is going to be sitting there with their head hung low, tears in their eyes, feeling dejected, and rejected. And the reason that I show this picture is I want you to think about which one of these pictures do you most relate to as a Christian? Do you most relate to that picture on the left where they're overjoyed and they're celebrating and they're excited and they've just achieved something phenomenal? Or are you that person on the right who's just down and dejected and upset? Now, I think we can, it's safe to say we've all found ourselves in one of those two positions, sometimes even in the same day, of course. But what I want to focus on today is the fact that as Christians, we have a whole lot to celebrate. So, I want to kick us off today, pun intended, with some football terms that you guys may or may not be familiar with as you get ready to watch the big game today. The first one is blocking. Now, that's when you talk endlessly to the preacher at the church door and keep everyone else from exiting the building. That's blocking. The other one is extra point. Now, that's when, <laughs> that's what you receive when you tell the preacher that the message was actually too short. I wish you would have gone longer. Don't worry, you won't have to be saying that one today. The next is illegal motion. That's when you leave before the closing prayer is over. So when you do the whole sneak out the back door before church is over. Now, I want to encourage you not to do that today because we got some exciting things coming up a little bit later in our service. The next is the two-minute warning. That is, uh, that's when the preacher's wife starts looking at her watch in front of full view of the rest of the audience. So that's when my wife starts going... <clears throat> and starts tapping her watch, that's the two-minute warning, which means I need to wrap it up. 
The quarterback sneak, that's sneaking into the back row two minutes after the service has started and hoping that nobody will notice. So that's the sneak. And we've all done that, right? And I'm not criticizing, of course. And this is all in good fun, so please don't send me emails uh, yelling at me over these. These are all just in good fun. But that's when we kind of sneak into the back row, right? After service has already started, hoping that nobody will notice. The next one is staying in the pocket. Now, Jason Clark will appreciate this one. He's doing the financial class right now. But this is when money stays in our pocket that should have been given in the contribution. Again, just a joke. Don't get upset with me. Two-minute warning. The point at which you realize the sermon is almost over and you start to gather up your children and your belongings. So that's that rustling sound that we all hear, right? When you hear me kind of start to get towards the end and people start, oh, I got to grab my phone. I got to grab my Bible. Where's my keys? That's another two-minute warning. Sudden death. That's what happens to the attention span of the congregation when the preacher goes overtime. Been there, done that. And the last is the blitz, and that's the mad rush to get to the restaurants following the closing prayer. And again, these are all just tongue-in-cheek. These are all just a little bit of fun this morning as we recognize that, yes, today is Super Bowl, but we have much bigger things to talk about. So today we're going to talk about some of these reasons that you and I as Christians have to celebrate. Now, for those of you that know me, this is how I like to start. We're going to start with when we're persecuted. So we're going to start with the hardest one first. We're going to talk about how do we respond when we face persecution. Now, the first question you may ask yourself is, well, what does that look like? What does persecution look like for us? Now, we are very blessed in that we live in the United States. And it's not likely that somebody's going to come through that back door with a gun telling us we are no longer allowed to worship Jesus Christ. We're very blessed in that. But let us never forget that that is not the case everywhere. There are other people in other countries who have to be fearful of their lives simply for their belief in Jesus. So what does that look like for us here in America? Maybe it doesn't look like threats, but maybe we're persecuted in other ways. Maybe we're treated differently because of our faith. Maybe we're called names because of our faith. And at times we even find ourselves kind of hiding our faith. But those are exactly the times that we should be celebrating in. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures today that kind of bring home that point of the fact that we need to celebrate despite our persecution. I want to start in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. And this is a a very uh, small part of, right, the Beatitudes, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It says, rejoice, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. It says, for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is reminding us that when we're facing persecution, when people are not treating us in the way that that we feel like they should be treating us, that we should actually rejoice. Now see, this goes back to that idea of counter-cultural, right? As Christians, we are taught to live a life that is counter to our culture. See, our culture says that if someone is mean to you, if someone talks bad about you, if someone does something to you, culture teaches us that you do it back. If they did it to you, you give it back. If they did it to you, you do it to them. But see, Jesus taught a different narrative. 
Jesus taught us to be in the world, but not what? Of the world. We have no choice but to live in this world, but we do have a choice of how we behave, how we react to situations that may not go our way. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about, is blessed are those, right, that don't fall into that trap. When times are tough is exactly when we should be celebrating, right? Because this is not the end for us, right? No matter how bad life may be here, this is not our end. This is just a short, short time frame when you look at eternity. So we've got to focus on the prize. We've got to focus on all of the many wonderful things. We're going to flip over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. And this is verse 13. It says, But rejoice in so much as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when the glory is revealed. Now see, I love this passage so much, because this passage reminds us that we know how the story ends. We, we flip to the back of the book, and some of you have done this, right? You start a, you start a book, and what do you do? You go all the way to the end, because you want to know how this chapter is going to end. You want to know how this book is going to end. You want to know how this story is going to end. Well, guess what? If you've read the scriptures, you know how the story ends. You know what the end result is going to be. And that's what keeps us going through the persecution. That's what keeps us going through the difficult times. That's what keeps us going when we feel like the people in this world, the people that are not following Jesus, are getting all the rewards. When the people who lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead get ahead... We have to remember that our reward isn't here. Our reward is in heaven. Let's look at another scripture from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 2. It says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast. We brag. We can be assured of the hope that we have in God. It says, not only so... But we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Sufferings produce perseverance. See, sometimes we have to go through things to make us stronger. We have to go through things to make us cling closer to Jesus. It's just like when you work out, right? When you go to the gym, what are you actually doing? You're tearing down the muscles, right? So that they can grow back stronger. And sometimes in our walk with Jesus, that's exactly what happens. We get knocked down so that we can get up and be stronger. We get knocked down so that hopefully we look to Jesus Christ and we grow stronger in our faith and closer in our walk because these sufferings produce perseverance. They teach us how to look for Jesus. They teach us to grow stronger in our faith. So really, our persecutions, even though it's hard to see it in the moment, are a blessing because they're growing our faith and they're helping us to be stronger and stronger. It says perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God, God's love, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have help. We're not doing this alone. See, Jesus knew when he ascended to the Father that we were going to need help. Because why? Because we're imperfect people. 
And he gives us the Holy Spirit that helps see us through these difficult times and helps see us through these persecutions. And because of that, we should celebrate. We should celebrate the fact that Jesus didn't leave us here alone. We should celebrate the fact that Jesus died for our sins. So when we face these persecutions, when we face these hard times, we need to celebrate. And again, that goes so counter to our culture. And it's so hard to see sometimes because we get bogged down thinking about the today. And we get bogged down thinking about the hard times that we're in today. And we forget about how the story ends. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We, we weren't deserving of Jesus Christ going to the cross for us. It wasn't because of anything that we did. At the time that he went to the cross, most of the world didn't even believe him. Didn't even believe who he was. Didn't believe that he was God incarnate. They thought he was just some kind of a prophet. Or some kind of crazy person. But yet, he still died for you and me. And if that's not cause to celebrate the fact that he took the punishment that we deserved, then I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And we need to look no farther than look at the life of Paul. Look at all of the things that Paul went through. He lived this out in his own life. He spoke from experience. Paul wrote most of his letters that we find today in the New Testament from a prison cell. From a prison cell. Think about that for just a second. He was in the most miserable circumstance you could possibly think of, but still celebrated the fact that he had a relationship with Jesus Christ and he knew there was something better at the end of the story. See, Paul isn't just saying these things. He's not just making up a story. He lived it. And that's what we need to do is when we're going through those tough times, when we're going through those difficult phases, when we're going through those phases where we just can't see the end, we need to look no further than to the scriptures. These stories are in the Bible for a reason. To teach us, to give us hope, to give us encouragement. We see these stories of the things that Paul went through so that we can look to these stories and we can read these stories and we can say, look, my life's not that bad. It could be a whole lot worse. I could be like Paul. Today we can look at modern times and say it could be a whole lot worse. I could live in a country where I have to fear for my life because of my faith. If that's not reason to celebrate, I don't know what is. And we could just leave it right here and say, okay, that's the sermon. But we're not going to do that. Number two is celebrating when the lost are saved. Do we celebrate when the lost are saved? And I want to look at a couple of scriptures here. The first one I want to talk about is our own salvation. Our own salvation. This comes from Luke chapter 10, verse 20. It says, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do we celebrate our own salvation? Not just the day that we gave our lives to Christ and put him on in baptism, but do we celebrate that every day? Do we celebrate the fact that there's something better each and every single day? Do we celebrate what Jesus did for us every day? We should. Now, we take communion every Sunday morning, right? And that's kind of our reminder, and we kind of focus our hearts and our minds on what Jesus did for us. 
But do we do that every single day? Every single day do we remember what Jesus did for us? Do we celebrate the fact that we have hope? A hope that we never could have had if Jesus didn't love us enough to die for us. That's something to celebrate, and that's something we can celebrate each and every day. If we flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We rejoice in the fact that Jesus died for us. We rejoice in the fact that one day, Lord willing, we're going to spend eternity in the most amazing place you can possibly imagine. Heaven is one of those things, much like eternity for me, that are just hard to wrap my head around. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Now, I don't think it's going to look like what we see in the movies where everything is white because God made too many beautiful colors for heaven to be all white. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think all the walls will be white and the floors will be white. And that's not what we read. That's how we portray this, right, in in movies. But I don't think that's, everything's not going to be white. It's going to be all of the colors of the rainbow. But we know that one day, That's what's waiting for us. That's what's waiting for us. If we follow what the Bible teaches, that's what's waiting for us at the end. And he lays it all out for us. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the scriptures. We know how the story ends. So let's rejoice in our salvation. Let's rejoice in the fact that we even have that opportunity that we wouldn't have had if it wasn't for Jesus. The next one is the salvation of others. I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 34. Acts 13, 64. Or excuse me, Acts 16, 34. It says, The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Do we rejoice when others find Jesus? Spoiler alert, a little bit later on in our service today, we're going to have a baptism. Our sister Hadith is going to get baptized this morning. If that's not cause for celebration, then I don't know what is. We read in scripture that when, when, when a person is baptized, the angels are rejoicing. Are we rejoicing? We should be just as excited when somebody gets baptized as we are when our team scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Are we jumping out of our seats? Are we leaping for joy? Are we clapping? Are we shouting? Are we excited that somebody now has a chance for eternal life? Because that's what we do at sporting events. We jump out of our seats, right? When something good happens. When Cole hits the three-pointer, we jump up. Yeah! Do we get just as excited about not only leading people to Jesus, but when that light bulb goes off and they decide to commit their lives to Christ and be buried in baptism, do we celebrate like that? Or or have we gotten to the point where we're just like, oh, that's cool. I hope not. Because that should be exciting each and every time that it happens. 
Number three is celebrate because of each other. And I know we've spent a lot of time talking about unity, and we've spent a lot of time talking about community, but this is a reason to celebrate. And I hope that each and every Sunday morning when you come to this building, you are celebrating. Celebrating the fact that not only do we have this beautiful building to come to, but that we have this body of believers who are a family. That's reason to celebrate. Because you know what? Maybe your home life isn't exactly what you'd like it to be. Maybe you don't have family here in Orange County, but you've got family every time you walk in the door here. You've got people that love you, people that care about you, and people that would give you the shirt off of their backs to help you. And that's a reason to celebrate. And that's why I hope you love to be here on Sunday mornings. I'm here almost every day of the week, but I love Sunday mornings because I get to see all of you. And I hope that you guys feel the same way. Because we could all be at home, right, watching the live stream, because we have an amazing live stream here at this church. Thank you, Chris Pace. We have an amazing live stream. But then we miss out on that community, and we miss out on that being together and encouraging one another and loving one another and building one another up. Because you can't do that over a computer. And yes, it's a great option for when we can't be here, when we're sick or when we're traveling. But there's just something special about when we get to come together here in worship. And that one thing that bonds us all together, which is Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. With glad and sincere hearts, they met together every day. Sometimes we struggle to make it to worship on Sunday mornings, and I understand there's reasons for that sometimes. But the early church met every single day and shared every meal together. Every day. They were together every day. Why? Because they wanted to be. Because they were all working for the same goal. Because they all wanted to be together, to work together, to lift each other up, and to break bread together. Because there's something special that happens when you surround a table with people that you love. It says they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, they had this togetherness. They had this community. They had this body of believers. They had this synergy. And God rewarded them for that and added to their number daily. He added to their number daily because they were a community and because they loved each other and they were excited to be together. Philippians 1 verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now, of course, this is Paul writing again from the prison cell. But he longs to be with the believers. And he's saying that even when they're not together, they're still a family, they're still a community, they're still unified. And I hope that we feel that way too, because guess what? We're only together for an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. Are we still trying to be community? Are we still trying to be unified? Are we still trying to be close when we're not here at the building? I hope we are. 
And last but not least is celebrating God's goodness. And there's a million different directions we could go with God's goodness. We need look no further than to look out these windows to see God's goodness and this beautiful creation that he built for each and every one of us. God has done amazing things for us. We need look no further than John 3.16, right? That he sent his son for us. But God has done amazing things for us. And if that's not reason to celebrate, regardless of what our circumstances are, I, I don't know what is. Paul celebrated in the prison cell. And, and that's where we see that line, right, that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't mean I can go out here and lift a car, right? But it means that I can get through things because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I can get through things because of what God has done for me. So we're going to go to the Old Testament, look at Psalms. Let's look at Psalms. And this is how we celebrate in his presence. Psalms chapter 5 verse 11 says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love you, excuse me, who love your name may rejoice in you. We should be rejoicing in the Lord for everything that he's done for us. Let's look at Psalms chapter 7. It says, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. Say that with me. The Lord is great. Now, if that's not reason to celebrate, I don't know what is. The greatness of God. The fact that we serve an amazing God. The fact that we can talk to God each and every day should be reason enough to celebrate. It should be reason enough to rejoice. We celebrate in his kingdom. This is going to come from 2 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's the reason to celebrate. The eternal kingdom. So much bigger than what we're dealing with here on earth. And so much longer. When you think about this concept of eternity, there's two places you're going to spend eternity, right? You're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And God has given you this amazing gift. He's given you the grace and mercy that we didn't deserve so that we have a chance to spend eternity in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we rejoice and we celebrate his love. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that kind of wraps it up right there. That kind of wraps up the reason that we have to celebrate is despite our sinfulness, God sent his son. He sent his son, not because we deserved it, but because he loves us. So we need to remember everything that God has done for us. We need to find ways to celebrate each and every day, regardless of our circumstances. And we need to celebrate together. We, we went to small group last night over at the Clark's house and, and just 
There's just something special about being together and building relationships together. And if you're not in one of these small groups, I want to encourage you to get involved. And we have a large percentage of our church that is involved in small groups. But if you haven't had an opportunity yet, let me know. I would love to get you plugged into a small group so that you have this community of believers, these people that you can come together with, that you can share your victories with, that'll pray with you, that'll hug you, that'll love on you, and that'll help you. And if you haven't done that, do it. Get involved. Because we are a community, we are a body of believers that are unified by our Lord and Savior. And live a joyful life. Try not to focus on those things that don't go your way. Try not to focus on the hard times and the troubles and the stresses and the worries. Because I don't think that's what God intended for us. We read too many times throughout the scripture, rejoice, 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 rejoice. And I believe that's what God has in store for us. He wants us to rejoice in the company of others. He wants us to rejoice in our Lord and Savior. And one day, we'll rejoice with him for eternity. Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized so that you can have your sins forgiven, so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit You have an opportunity to do that today, and we're going to, Hadith is going to get baptized here in a few minutes. But you know, if that's something that's been on your heart too, there's plenty of time, there's plenty of water. You can be baptized today too. Why wait? Tomorrow's not promised. If that's something that's been on your heart, don't wait. I'm also going to ask our elders to come down front as well. And and maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. But, but maybe you've just lost that joy. You've forgotten this concept of celebrating each and every day in what God has done for you. The elders will be down front, and if you want to come down during the Song of Invitation, they would love to talk with you and pray with you. And if you don't want to come down during that time, they'll hang around down here after services as well. And feel free to make your way down while everyone else is making their way out. Come on down, and we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can. And I want to encourage you to do that as Peter comes up and leaves us in the next song. You will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace. To love you from the inside out, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame, and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul. Cry 
Rise up from the 